This episode of Blitzed is brought to you by Rip Curl's new surf flick, The Kangs, made by the same crew who brought you postcards from morgues and free scrubber. Yeah, that's right. Nick Pollett and Vaughn Deadly. It's uh, gonna drop soon, featuring Mick, he's that fucking good fanny, Mace, Coco, the barrel killer, ho, and as you've never seen him before, three-time world champ, Gabby Medina. The boys are off on a hardcore down under adventure, and uh, you will be sitting right alongside them, a fly on the wall, as they find cone, cone, and more cone all over this uh, wonderful sunburned country. Get into it. The Kangs, dropping soon by Rip Curl. Yes, welcome to Blitzed Pure Tour Nerdism. The Tahiti Pro is a wrap. And Vaughn, it wasn't the conditions we were looking for. Pucket Phil is still very much Pucket Phil, <laughs> the human asterisk. But uh, look, it was an incredible contest in terms of the drama, the tension, the pressure, and really what was... The best performance this season, I thought. Jack Robinson's win, uh, given the circumstances, what he had to push through, just unbelievable. I mean, coming up against Yago Dora, was it in the in the quarters? I mean, sharing a coach, the coach being Yago's dad, uh, and Jack managing to just compartmentalize everything and get through that heat and continue on through the event. Uh, just a... A crazy performance, like far out. Not many people uh, really would have the mental fortitude to deal with all that was thrown at him, not only in this event, but this entire season to bounce back from injury and that really kind of awful run of performances through the the mid part of the year when he probably wasn't fully fit. uh, To to still make the final five with a performance like that, unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, maybe um, I'm with you, man. I mean, uh, the surf was disappointing, but the uh, event, the storylines, I mean, it just leaves so much on the table, though, doesn't it? Like, you know, for for how many, like, unbelievable mouth-watering setups there were and and narratives heading into this event, you know? Like, we had far out that logjam of just Shope's maniacs all fighting out for that top five, that last spot, really, because Zhao had it. Not completely locked away. When he got done in the elimination round, I was like, whoa, door open. But, yeah, it was amazing, man, just watching JJF and, and Gabby and Jack just all in that scenario. Oh, Yago as well, of course. And then on the women's side, Steph looking to sort of pull off another miracle. Goat's last event. The Olympic scenarios, man. There was so much going on. And I couldn't help but feel Smithy. Like, I just wanted... Just somehow, man, just wanted the Pacific to throw up some cornholes of truth, man. I wanted every lump of swirl that lurched out of the Pacific to actually mean something. And in the end, 
It was just another reflection of what this whole year has surfed up, and that is just a tripe-like pile of grov. Windblown, clampy, rank, fucking ribbed grov. And uh, I don't know, mate. I've had a gut full of grov. Grov can fuck off for all I care, bro, (laughs) because it's just, uh, you know, how much more groving can we get? And, you know, in a year where the grov has been all it's really been about, uh, we're going to head the trestles, you know, the home of serious grov and probably crown a couple of grov world world title winners which is reflective of the year you can't you can't as much as you know phil's puckered corn is uh always going to be hovering around him like oh yeah you know fly-blown cow anus it's just that in a year where the surf is grov there is no more world champ is there like it, it makes perfect sense in a way but geez it's it's wild man um just to, to, to not get on the uh, the wind spiral, Smithy, I, I do believe in the absence of truth, waves of truth, cornholes of truth. The one thing you can get behind, and I'm talking right behind, Tilly's level froth behind, it's the return of the shaman, nah. hitting peak vibration, tap, tapping the supreme state of being, purple chakra at full throb, corn as shiny as Bemi's dome, which he panned... Planted that big wet kiss on at the end of the final. <laughs> and uh, the Vortex Shaman, man, he's returned from his, his mid-season results sabbatical. Uh, he's leaner, stronger. He just looks mentally bulletproof. Electrifyingly dangerous form, man. And um, Grov being damned. Grov be damned. He gurned that kern. Uh, he dealt with JJF, Medina, Yago, as you said, in a boil over that is... Like, even now, feels way undersung. You know, we're one day since he won that final. And you are right, mate. Like, that is the performance of the season. Like, with everything that was going on, I'm feeling like ticker tape parade uh, when when he gets home. Or at the very least, maybe just a meditation dojo built in his honour in Gracetown or in the car park. Someone. You you feeling me? Oh, I'm feeling you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mate, yeah, uh, scored pretty pretty low on the chat rating. S for skits, H for Hamad, A for are you kidding mm-hmm. me? And T for torture. Uh, I, I gave it a three point five, and it, to be honest, it was lucky to get that. It was almost unwatchable at times. Uh, this event just just because like I like there's one kind one set of conditions that I really struggle to watch. It's inconsequential chopes at four to six mm. foot. Like, there's not a surfer on tour who can't thread a four to six foot tube, women or men's, um, and it's slow and uh, and pinchy, and yeah, it was really awkward, tricky chokes too. It kind of wasn't on the back ledge; it was mostly on the inside ledge. But then there was kind of ones that would cap on that back ledge, and uh, you know, surfers would spring out to get them. But those back ledge ones, they didn't have enough energy to to hug that that section of the reef and they'd feather and cap and it was quite hard to get a read on the lineup it seemed to all be about those inside nuggets on that inside ledge uh but yeah it was just a a slow and and tedious event throughout the majority of it it really wasn't until finals day that at least there was some some really captivating storylines and uh that bumped it up into the the above three range just the sheer Mm stress uh, as an Australian surf fan 
Uh, far out. It was high pressure, high stakes, and what a satisfying win it was. For an Aussie surf fan to see Jack get the better of both Yago and Medina, uh, two of his adversaries in that race for the final five. He had it all to do, and he just iced it, man. What a Mm -hmm. win. Like, and, And interesting to know just how calm... He was afterwards, you know, there was no great show of emotion or elation. Uh, he was just calm, composed. Uh, you know, he, he believed it. He, he saw it unfolding the way it did in his mind before it went down. And he just didn't even seem all that surprised. Um, so mm. yeah, he's such a unique specimen, a unique talent. And that, that mental fortitude that he's developed over the past couple of seasons it's 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 pretty rare and unique like it's it's not something i can remember seeing a whole lot of uh maybe fanning have the ability to to kind of uh really zero in and focus and again for the much the same reasons having to overcome so much hardship early on in life and they've just built this mental armory that is yeah it's gonna he's gonna take some beating at trestles uh we'll get to that in a bit but yeah, I feel like he, he, mm. he might be about to pull off something special. He's in a very interesting space mentally. Physically, he looks like he's on the backside of not just that knee injury. Apparently, there was another injury in the mix that we haven't heard much about. But he looks physically mm. uh, in form, mentally as fit and tough and just full of self-confidence as I've ever seen him. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, man. Uh, that 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 perfect alignment of spiritual, emotional physical he has somehow worked his way through that that mid-season doldrum to just be stronger than ever and i'm with you i reckon uh heading into trestles you know like this time last year we were just going well it's too big a task to take on felipe in those ways but you, you can't write off someone who is that staunch man that ice cold like He's sub-zero. He is like, you know, Duma and Mick Fanning's love child, which is, you know, <laughs> genetically, uh, at least uh, competitively, exactly who you want to be in your pro surfing career. Yeah. Maybe not, uh, yeah, Duma and Mick, Mick Fanning having a love baby. It's It presents quite an image, but um, he's there, mate. He's there. And I think, <laughs> um, I think uh, it's classic, you know, after watching the – Griffin's performance, you know, Griff uh, is number two in the world. Uh, he was never going to get to number one. Phil had too much of a lead, but he posted this thing about like trying to tap into gratitude, uh, that sort of spiritual, I don't know what it is. Maybe like that, that, that place that he keeps trying to get to that he puts so much work into getting to, and he's not quite there yet. Uh, I don't know if you, if you read that, but it's, it's well worth having a look at. And I was just thinking, well, that's the difference between, you know, Griff, who, who's having to manufacture and, and you know, and full credit to him. He's doing the work. But Robbo, the Vortex Shaman, mate, he is living it. He, he actually exists in that space where the cosmic energy of the universe is always in his field of thought and experience and being. And it's a huge advantage in these sorts of scenarios, man, because he's doing post-heat interviews and it's going, yeah, man. The mana of this place, I'm really feeling it. Yeah, dude, the full moon last night, man. And, <laughs> you know, he's he's like he's just out of this world, mate. And and I feel like that's the scary thing for someone like let's just say like Griff. Yeah, we'll get into that. But 
you know, knowing that you're trying to, to tap into that energy and get the same thing uh, up against someone who is literally vibrating on a cosmic level that you, you can't reach. That's mm. pretty scary. Yeah, you mentioned him being the love child of, of Duma, Damien Hardman and, and Mick Fanning. I feel like there's a potentially a bit of Asher Pacey crystal worshipping in the mix. And then uh, on, on top of that, I mean, just his surfing at the moment. For me, he, he's like he's like a combination of Andy Irons and Clay Marzo. Like there's just this electricity. Mm. And this is more uh, relevant to Trestles than Chopes. I mean, in Hollow Waves, he is an absolute wizard that nine four which we'll get to in a second was pure magic entered the realm of the glitch cone the mm. vladimir glitch cone uh but yeah just the electricity the lines uh you know the zigs and zags between the zigs and zags a la mp what i get the feeling from with jack is that he has the potential he has like untapped potential. Like he has the capacity to to pull off surfing that you didn't know was possible until he does it. And that is something mm. no other surfer in that final five race has. Uh, the problem with that brand of surfing, as we saw with Clay Marzo and Dane Reynolds, is that it's very hard to pull off in a competitive environment. Um, you know, those guys had very mediocre competitive careers, but Jack seems to have found the balance uh, between that electricity, the jazzy free form, you know, just can go wherever he wants on the wave, like this kind of postmodern fin ditches where he's like riding backwards and spinning around and, uh, you know, just has so much control in, in such critical positions that I feel like if he surfs out of his skin, if he can connect to that divine energy, that, that mana, whatever you want to call it, and maintain that connection through the event at Trestles, he will win. It's it's really, uh, I don't think his opponents are what he has to overcome ultimately. What he has to overcome is himself. If he can reach uh, that potential, but then back it off just enough to maintain the consistency required to, to win heats, he will win that event. Uh, and I, I think anyone else in that position at, at fifth would not win but he has the capacity to to tap flow, get in rhythms and get on runs uh, that just will see him not fatigue mentally or physically. And, uh, you know, you hear mm. about this in his free surfs too. You hear about these like obscene fucking eight hour straight sessions at Toomey's where he has a sip of water and a, a fucking black coffee and, and, and that's him. He's just out there all day packing his pineal to the brim. Um, like he, he, he is a unique specimen, man. Uh, mm. kind of unlike anything surfing's really seen before I get the feeling, um, you know, not necessarily in the, the, you know, the all coming competitive conquering kind of Slater form, but just in this kind of, uh, yeah, electric flowy, uh, tapped into to some deep source energy or code that, like yeah, mm. I don't know. It's 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 the space that Haran wanted to tap, but just couldn't get there. Griffin's trying; he's gone <laughs> one step better. I think Jack uh, Jack's there, but whether he can maintain it, that is the question. Yeah, well, I'm just so thrilled that he's in that top five, man. Because pro surfing needs these like outer realm personalities. These like deep, you know, cosmic fucking astral warriors and and jack is that guy and he brings something so exciting to these finals now because yeah man like to me 
yes, he is the glitch cone master and he will find a way out of almost any tube. But it was the, it was just the icy cold belief. Like he never looked in trouble really at all in that comp. Like he just looked so, so strong, like impenetrable belief. And um, that's that energy. If he takes that mindset to trestles, geez, he's going to be frightening because Look who's above him, man. Like, Joao's had a couple of bad events in a row. Uh, we've got Ethan. We don't even know what, what you know, what's going on with him because we there's no real updates on, on what his back's doing. We're just hoping it's in that Nathan Florence sort of zone where Nath broke his back in Ireland or Scotland or wherever it was earlier this year and was just slab charging three weeks later, it seemed like. So there's that. And then... Really, you know, Griff and Jack is has the potential to be the big thriller if if it if it goes down like that. And then, you know, Phil, I, I don't know what to think about Phil or or how to even consider him at the moment. Maybe we'll go into that a little bit further. But it, it you're right. It does seem like for where he's at right now to bookend the win at Pipe at the start of the season, go through a huge mental physical journey. Uh, where he was just watching his year slip away from him. And to come back and to put on that performance, not just with the surfing man, but the competitive strategy, belief, like iciness. That's that's what impressed me the most about this win. It was insane. Mm. Let's get into the that's best wave. That's going to be scary for everyone. Yeah. Go for it. Let's get into the best wave. Uh, had to be Jack Robbo's 9-4 against Liam O'Brien. Fully entered the realm of the glitch cone, as I mentioned. Uh, shades of CJ Hobbity's tend to beat Julian all those years ago. One American judge gave it a 9-8. Uh, so I was edging up towards <laughs> the, the perfect realm. But, you know, then again, that wasn't a, an American. And, you know, your average American surfer has barely seen a hollow wave in his life on the mainland. So uh, you can appreciate why he was so shocked. But uh, a 9-8 from one judge. And, yeah, I mean... Chopes, it just seems to be able to to hold the space for him. You know, hold that space. Uh, it's mm. really good at holding the space. And uh, it holds the space for surfers to exist in this weird interdimensional purgatory like no other wave on earth. Like, especially in that four to six mm. foot range. Like, it, it's square. It has plenty of draw and push. Uh, it has this really powerful but fr- friendly foam ball that tends to force its way out of the tube as that wave bends back on the West Bowl. And then it has these kind of fluffy chandeliers and feathery bits that pinch and, and, and slow you down, but don't knock you off. And it, it just all combines to, to create these tube makes that are just out of this world. Like you fully mm. give up on guys. And uh, next minute, they're just coming out of some air pocket that like doesn't exist in any other wave on earth. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that swell direction with all those ribs, like more ribs than a freaking, I don't know, truck truck stop Franger machine. And they, you're just sort of like dealing with these clampy, non-clean, just rank fucking seggies that, as you say, allow for these moments of almost like weightless foam ball riding that continue to push you out. And maybe the South Swell has a bit to do with that. You're not getting as bucked on that shock wave. And so... There is this kind of weird sweet spot. I heard Luke Egan talking about it, um, where on those sorts of swells, where it's ribby and that, you can actually just sit on the pocket and it's sort of softer in there and you can get a little bit of drive and push from the wave moving down the reef. So, yeah, unbelievable. Um, that, that Robo tube 
again, you you just I mean, how often did he exit Barrels Man and you were just going, Where's the line on that? Like, I don't understand. Like he, he would pull in low and you'd see two chandeliers come over and then he'd come out in this tiny little like the eye of a needle kind of gap at the very top of the wave and he was almost sliding off the back and he'd have to pump back down the face to do a Rio or whatever. It was sensational stuff, man. And and Medina and um and John John were doing some really similar tube riding as well. Like but yeah, it was the Vortex's wave. But oh that that was a, a pretty remarkable thing. I don't know if you caught it, uh just speaking about, you know, the way that the tubes were, but during the semi final, mate, Pete Mel, he just went on this uh rant about the difference between clean exits and dirty exits. How surfers are always looking for a uh, a nice clean hole and not a, a, a dirty hole. And mm. geez, I thought he was he was really pushing the limits of good taste in, in that commentary, mate. But oh, yeah. I had a good giggle. Yeah, that's right. No, it's a good point. And you know, if you were to rock up and check chopes on a day like that, really, what you would have seen was, was barrels that were not really makeable. They were pinching, like pretty much. 99% of pits out there were pinching. And for anyone but like an elite level surfer, you're generally just not making waves like that. Uh, but, and that really was what decided uh, like who was making heats was your ability to deal with that pinch. Um, you know, mm. it's, it's not the kind of pinch that will knock you off necessarily, but if you don't read the pinch, if, if you don't go high and brace for the pinch, it will knock you off. And Jack really read and accounted for that pinch better than any other backsider. I thought, um, his positioning on the drop, his wave selection, uh, it was all on point, you know, and obviously he's the vortex shaman, but he just manhandled so many pinching pits that would have rolled most surfers <laughs> on tour. Now, you know, like mm-hmm. you're saying, I, I saw so many waves uh, like that weren't made, but would have been made if it was Jack. And they just yeah. weren't made yeah. because the surfer wasn't good enough to position themselves on the drop um, or, or get into a position to, to handle that clamping, pinching section. Yeah. And like you know, Smithy, if you pinch too early, you'll you'll end up with a dirty exit. If you pinch at exactly the right time, mate, Clean as a whistle. Clean as a whistle. <laughs> That's right. Now, uh... um, but also uh, in the women's for best wave, I mean, clearly Katie Simmers against Fahin. What a heat. Like, so good. I actually had that as my best heat for the women's comp too. Like, you've got this, uh, this, it's just, you know, what is she? She's the eternal surprise, Katie Simmers. Like, every time you think, Nah, you know, J-Bay, we thought she was going to go bonkers. She looked so out of sorts. And then you think, okay, well, Chopes, backhand. Uh, but a massive doff of the gaff to Katie. Like, to, to rack up a nine point, what was it, a 9.23 against the queen, the queen of uh, Terry Hoopo. And, uh, yeah, man, it's um, it was just uh, awesome to see that next generation step up yet again. She's always doing it with progressive sort of, combos, tail release, uh, fin ditches and all that. But that line into that into that uh, tube, which did have a, a filthy exit, dirty, clamping, pinchy one, but one of the most solid ways we saw. And, and I just thought, far out, man. Like just when you thought the warning bells couldn't get any louder. And now she's in the top five, you know, solidified her place with that result. And incredible, incredible surfer. Yeah, 
Uh, it was really impressive just to see the way uh, Molly and Katie attacked Chopes. I mean, yeah, you know, just good to see first first round getting their feet in the wax and their head in the reef as they just face planted uh, on several attempts to to knife one out there. But yeah, I mean, far out. I guess it's it's confidence building to just fucking slap your face on, on the water and, and and get fucking rolled on a couple. Uh, and you know, if that's the worst that can happen, well, frick. I'm going to have a crack and have a crack. They did. So yeah, full credit to Katie. What a scout. Bahin Fierro, fire out. That chick is the number one woman in the world at that wave. Uh, she's oh. dominant in previous events and, and getting the win over her. You know, yeah, yeah. But to beat her, you, you basically need to be dropping numbers like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, in terms of the Olympics, you know, Vaheen is an almost unbackable favourite. Like she, her, her line into the tube there, like right from the very word go, was just you could just tell it was an entire level above everyone else in the draw. So, you know, I mean, it comes down to the waves, and uh, let's just hope that the Olympics is absolutely throaty as and mondo skids. Best heat. Well, look, I had a couple. Uh, hard to go past the men's final. Ultimately. I mean, what a clash of the Titans it was. Medina's record out here or at Chopes is is ridiculous. Uh, I think he's made, what was it, something like six finals or something with two wins. So one, mad. one of which was on debut in like pretty maxed out Chopes. Uh, and he was reading it like Braille all event long uh, in four to six mm. foot slabbing left pits. Like he's a fucking wizard. Like one of the best of all time left tubes of any size really, but at that size, he's just making the impossible look buttery and stuff in his face, filling his pineal like an absolute glutton. He was so busy during his, uh, the heats on final days on finals day, uh, racked up 11 waves in his win over John, John Florence, 17 waves in his win over Baron in the semis, just packing a nugget after nugget. And you could just tell there's mm-hmm. no place he'd rather be in the world than at Chopes packing squared out novelty cones. And it's just so hard to beat <laughs> talent like that when they're in their happy place. Slater at Pipe, Toledo at J-Bay, Medina at Chopes. You know, it's gotten to that point. He has that kind of affinity for that wave now. Problem mm. was, there was another prodigious talent in the draw that loves waves like this every bit as much. And that's the Vortex, Shaman. Um, that heat, though... <laughs> Yeah, an absolute special. Interesting, uh, there was such a, a pattern between uh, Medina's performance against John and Jack. It was almost an identical start where he, he took the inside. He, uh, you know, had a, an eight and then a, a solid backup score. So he was turning in combined totals of like 15 within the opening 10 mm. minutes, putting Jack under all kinds of pressure but unlike John, Jack was able to, to keep his composure. He struck back with a 783, a, a solid drainer. Uh, Medina just kept finding those inside nugs for, for five, trying to sell Jack on lemons, but you can't get the Jack in hollow waves. He he nah. he, he just nah. understands those lineups better than anyone. Uh, he waited for an age, uh, found an absolute bomb. Biggest wave of the event, but then it feathered and closed out. That was probably one of the the only poor wave selections he had all event long. But it, it was weird. It was it was he kind of had to go that wave because it did look like it was the one six footer all event that was going to hit that outside mm. ledge. It was probably the yeah, like I said, mm-hmm. the biggest wave of the event. But it's it still feathered. 
Uh, then there was that long lull, nearly 10 minutes uh, of pretty much no waves with Medina just trying everything he could to, to bamboozle Jack, you know, paddling way up the point, trying to drag him out of position. But Jack, yeah, stayed calm, found a super technical tube, packed the first bit, came out and, and pumped into the next longer throatier section. It filled up with foam, but he saw that coming and shifted his back foot back on the tail pad and braced for the bucking Bronco. And then somehow emerged out the bottom of the pit with a fist pump, got the score, a seven, eight, three took the lead. Uh, Medina on the wave right behind that one, probably the wave of the heat. Uh, it, it was amazing that Medina's entire season hinged on this wave and you'd expect him to make mm. it. it. It was a bit of an awkward airdrop, but he found a rail, pumped through a big chamber, and maybe could have got a second pump in. Um, but he ended up getting bucked off by the foam ball just short of the exit, went over the handlebars. That was the heat winner. I, crazy that it mm. came down to that wave. I mean, as mediocre as this event was, that heat and the end to that heat was as high pressure and tense as it gets. Um, yeah, just, just a... A wild exchange, mate. As an Aussie surf fan, you were fucking fist pumping. You were doing cartwheels. I was doing a bit of copper weir at the computer screen, throwing heel kicks. Cop that. Yeah, it was unreal, man. It was unreal. And and just to, you know, put what Jack's done into context, because we were talking about earlier, you know, is Australia celebrating enough yet, Smithy? I don't think we are, because that performance to beat the absolute king titan. You know, the freaking number one guy, Chubbs. There's no question. And he was on a hot one. Like, some of those little white runners that he'd pick off just by being busy, you know, those ones that would sort of, like, be all fluffy at the top, and then they'd hit that inside bit and just run and run and run. And he'd be going, like, three seggies in a row with, like, blowouts while he's in the tube stalling. And he was so fun to watch out there, man. Far out, it was cool. Um, yeah, I thought that heat was awesome, but I also loved the, um, yeah, that was heat of the comp, but I also did love the, uh, the, uh, Jack Robbo lobby heat. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And the, the John, John, uh, Gabby heat, it was a bit of a fizzer, um, in terms of the fact that Gabby just ran away with it so heavily, like John, John never really got started. Uh, Gabby just yeah ran rings around him, but I was just thinking, like the the prospect of that heat, and like I I got so ramped up for it, and like you know classic mistake, just just juicing on the hype rather than you know what's what's playing out. But what a bummer! What a bummer that we finally had those two, you know, in, and again in in a position where they had to beat each other to keep their year alive. And you're just watching it in this sort of subpar windblown cross your shit. Such a bummer, man. Like, that's one of my big regrets. It was actually my big surprise. Sorry, I've jumped way ahead of the queue here. But, yeah, I, I was I was so pumped for that to be the heat of the event. It wasn't. Uh, one thing I will doff the gaff to, mate, is that the heat of the year was actually the final of the, the Terry Hopo trials with uh, – Matter Hydrolay and uh, Emeo just trading 10-point oh. rides. I don't know if you copped it. it I did I one, saw bits and pieces. Event. It was pumping. It was Brother, proper. Go and jokes. If you want to properly fizz out, both those guys get 10s, and they are as good at 10-point rides as you've ever seen at Chopes, ever. 
So I just want to doff the cap to that heat because, you know, while it wasn't during the uh, the the event that we all sat down and watched, it was the uh, heat of the year by far. Two yeah. guys who live on that reef literally feed the fish with their bodies often, and they were riding it over the freaking foam ball like you cannot believe, man. Like I'll tell you that that one that um the one that a mayo got was just he had his mayo gun firing at full full steam into the moor of that thing. It was hectic. And uh yeah, you know, Matahi Matahi, he was just soul arching into fucking the big West Bowls, brother. Oh doff the gaff, Smithy. Can't get enough of that. That was heat of the year for mine. I want to just acknowledge that right here. Big doff, but where was the heads up from the Wazzle or Surfline on on the trials and the swell that was imminent? Uh like that one just really flew under the radar and you know the names you're mentioning there uh alongside you know tikanui smith and all the core lords like that that was kind of the the real tahiti pro right there uh Amayo is mm. an absolute don uh we saw him at the backdoor shootout Beast. uh fuck mate the kid was sending it uh let alone at chopes and matahai widely regarded as the, the best in the world out there yeah, bummer to have missed that. I'll, I'll definitely be tapping in. Uh, another shout out to the the Yago Slater Heat. Uh, was it the round of sixteen or the quarters? I can't remember. But the goat in, in you know really good form, pushing you know a, a would be final five contender right to the brink. The goat surfed the perfect heat, uh, managed yep. priority like a master right to the death, just had the rub on, on every single exchange, except for the last one. It was unbelievable at that level. If you leave one stone unturned, you get done. I mean, to, to mm. the, the fact that there was so few waves of the caliber Yago got to, to win that heat in the last minute, uh, that alone, that, he, that the wave came uh, in that last minute was a miracle. But the fact that he also had priority and managed to, Send Slater on the first one of the set. Oh, it was a hard loss for, for the goat to cop that one. Oh man. But uh a, a great heat. And I mean, full credit to the goat to be able to push that generate that generation to that level at this stage of his career. Man, just one moment of speculation here, Smithy. Do you think the goat does he have it in him to announce that he's just going to do the first five comps of the year and do a little a victory lap goodbye to say goodbye to all his fans? Or do you reckon he's just going to park it, hang up the rashy, surf pipe for sure? He's not going to miss that one. Uh, I think the opportunity to just go out at Pipeline and surf with one or two other guys, he knows if there's waves, he'll, he could go close to, you know, finaling. Um, what do you think? We're, we're just, a, just a tiny goat watch here. What, what are you thinking? Is it that he's that much of a self-absorbed slave to the cone and to uncrowded conditions? That all, <laughs> all, all this is really about is him scoring world-class waves with one other guy out, and he'll do whatever he For has sure, to. Sure, bro. All, all he'll do whatever he has to do to to get himself into the waves that he likes. So don't expect him to show up at El Salvador or Rio or Margs or even Bells. Expect him just to be turning out. At, yeah, he'll be there at Snapper, the ch- at the Changers for sure. Uh, Pipe, duh. Chopes, definitely. J-Bay, yes. Uh, Panish, yeah, if there's a good forecast, expect him to show up there too. But he's, I think that that's what this is really about. We know how famously selfish and self-absorbed and indulgent surfers are. 
And, uh, you know, who could begrudge him? At the end of the day, it's what we all want for him. Uncrowded, perfect waves. Mm. And it's what we all can never get, except for the GOAT. Mate, yeah, you think about it. Like, you, you could paddle out, especially if Cloudbreak comes back on that schedule, man. Like, uh, oh, he'll do he'll another five years. He'll do another five years if he'll Cloud gets back on. Yeah, well, what he'll probably do is get out and own to sponsor three events that he just loves so he can go and surf them all by himself. But, um, yeah, and, and, nah, and, and, it's and fun move to speculate. Into a, move into a van. Just He'll just put his entire life savings, your mortgage, whatever houses, whatever units he has in fucking Snapper or Avalon, move into a van and just uh, surf out and own events from that point on. I can see it. I believe it. <laughs> oh, oh, what has the goat got up his sleeve, man? Rebel Tour. Little rebel out of known tour that's, that could fire up somewhere. Who knows? But um, yeah, man, look, uh, it was a heartbreaking loss for the goat. And I felt, you know, it, it's so weird, you know, the way that he, he's sort of constructed these, uh, yeah, will I or won't I and, and all that mystery and not giving everyone the chance to like fully embrace that that's his last event. It's kind of robbed him of this, this big farewell moment in a way. Uh, I don't know. It just, it makes it feel a little bit lonelier than it should. And um, yeah, it was a tough one to swallow, but there's no way he's not going out pipeline, mate. So if that's his last event, you know, that'll be his last event, but we'll wait and see. Biggest surprise. I had Katie Simmers in her debut year, uh, her first attempt at competing at Chopes, going all the way to the final. I mean, far out. She is an absolute superstar in the making getting into the final five at Trestles a wave. She knows very well in her rookie season. Oh man. I mean, what more can she do apart from winning the world title? Mate, I was watching some uh, stab footage of her just in these nice, fun, playful, glassy right-handers and the surfing she's doing, you know, we, we all saw it in toasted. We all saw it. Uh, we've seen it all over the shop actually, but, but when, Wow, she brings something else to this this tour, um, especially in that sort of surf. And you can really see her cutting loose at trestles. I mean, the only thing, maybe, and we don't really know because we haven't seen her, but the amount of energy that's going to be going into her and Griffin um, and probably uh, Carolyn Marks as well as they hit America, mainland America, like how, how just – man like they 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 want that hometown hero and they've got some big shots at it here how does that pressure factor into a young mind and, and a first-time rookie like katie simmers yeah yeah i mean she's handled everything that's been thrown at her thus far uh looking like a a really savvy move to 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 not surf that that first season a la taj on, on the ct and go back and, and just mature uh, mentally and physically because, yeah, man, holding her back, she's been shot out of a cannon uh, and into mm. the upper echelons of the CT, mate. Hard to imagine her being beaten at, uh, at Trestles on those rights. I mean, the only thing I can think of that, that's going to hold her back, she's got to come from so deep in the draw that kind of life diminutive frame could look a little bit weak against the the kind of more uh, physically matured like Tyler Wrights and Carissa Moores. Um, and then she's also got to overcome that kind of futuristic brand 
uh, of surfing by Molly Picklum, that like really explosive new school act. Uh, you know, she's got that in her as well. Caroline Marks going upside down on the rights. There's a, there's a lot working against her, but fire out, man. When she's on, she's on. And I don't know if there'll be anyone really as at home in those conditions as her. I imagine she's surf trestles more than any other surfer in that draw. So, yeah, the world is her oyster, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the breakthrough, yeah, probably the wild card, uh, Mihimana Bray in the men's, uh, you know, a complete unknown to go so deep into the event. What was it? A, a quarterfinal finish in the end, I think going down to Barham and Mia, but yeah, incredible performance from, from a total unknown. Yep. Yep. I actually just backed all the, uh, wild cards. I mean, it's not really a breakthrough when you're looking at, at Coley Vast and, uh, uh, but, uh, sorry, um, Bahini, Bahini. Everyone expects those two to go well. I think Corley even finaled last year, but mate, yeah, Minimana, Mihimana, and um, like, look at the names these guys took out, man. Like, he took out Toledo, the number one, the number one surfer in the world. Corley took out Zhao Xianka and Griffin Colapinto. That's number four and two. That's the top three surfers in the top five, done by wild cards and low dogs. Like, man, that's as breakthrough as it gets. It doesn't matter how used you are to seeing these guys, like, perform in these sorts of waves. Waves weren't really in their wheelhouses, you know, a huge advantage. Like, if it was a humongous West Bowl, sure. And, and sure, they can probably – they know the ones that are going to clamp and the ones that aren't. But to, to put away three of the top five, dude, that is hectic. So brutal. And um, a yeah, big doff of the gaff that yeah i tended to think that actually those kinds of conditions really play into the locals hands just when it when it's when it's big and on that back ledge you kind of know the situation you know what you have to do to get in and get out of a west bowl eight footer but uh in those tricky warbly ribby conditions getting the read on on which ones i guess a, a lot of the time the the uh conventional wisdom would have been look for the the biggest throatiest pit you can get out there but on during the entire event the biggest waves were the worst ones they were just fucking wobbly pieces of shit um so yeah but it's so yeah it's astounding to me though smithy that like you know in those conditions all uh me sorry mihimana did uh in his heat against phil was just hustle on the inside which i just thought fuck this is the event where phil surely is going to hustle on the inside it's never been set up for him to to get those little inside drainers. And, yeah, I don't know. I just yeah. don't know what he was looking for out well, there. That's my point is that I think that caught a lot of the, the top surfers off guard, that they don't realize the the interplay between the inside and outside ledges at Chopes and that, like, when mm. it's small like that, it's all about the inside ledge. Don't even look at the ones that cap out the back. They're, they're not really offering scoring potential. Um, and then you think back to Jack Robinson's performance last year where it was inside ledge chopes at the start of the event. And then that one fucking widow maker came through and hit the outside ledge and he, he, he was on it. Remember that it ended up being mm, on yep, a fourth yep. day. He ended up getting this random eight footer because that guy is so good at reading what the ocean's doing that he yep. was able to identify a bomb on the back ledge. But yeah, I, you're so right. Like Toledo, it was so set up for him, but, 
you kind of wonder who he had in his corner. Like if he had a Ray Marner, you know, whistling him into waves, like the, the Quicksilver team, like Slater and Reynolds in the past, has maybe he would have done better. But yeah, I wonder who was kind of uh, pointing him around the lineup because yeah, I mean, yeah. fuck, the guy was trying to go right out there. He was uh, he, he, he was. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's a whistle you don't need. <laughs> the, we we skipped through the biggest melt. My biggest melt, mate, had to be John John Florence. Uh, I just, that was one of the worst performances I can ever remember him turning in against Medina. And it, it was the writing was on the wall right from the first exchange. John just didn't want to get down and dirty with Medina for priority at the start of the heat. And he paid the price dearly, um, you know, I think Medina racked up a, a an eight three three or, or something like that, a score in the excellent range. He essentially gave Medina an eight point head start, uh, and then he had a, a six to follow that up. So a combined total of fifteen. Now, while that didn't bother Jack, the Vortex Shaman, John absolutely melted. He just looked awful. Uh, it was, yeah, you know, he, he was just on every bad wave, like. Everyone that kind of hit the back ledge, he was trying to go like he, he was packing, you know, I don't know if it was John, John Florence or Jedham John Smith out there at times. Cause he was just fucking going <laughs> head first over the falls in, in, in phone balls and, and wishy washy burgers, like taking off wide of the tube at times uh, on the end section. He, he just completely short circuited in that heat and was uh, mm. just had rings surfed around him by Medina. Yeah, it's so weird, man. That that heat uh, that John John surfed against Rio, where he got like a seventeen point six four total. Uh, he had a he had a couple of pretty close to genuine nugs, you know. Like a, a, of all the waves that broke during the comp, there was only a handful that looked like Cho- Chope's waves, and he was on both of them in that heat. Pure little hoopoo special with that nine point five seven, you know, real bold out thick one and I just got the sense when I was watching that heat I was like man the appreciation you have for that guy when he's on like when he's when he's just in pure sync he was having like a Medina heat where he was just every time he paddled out another score had come like aside from his his uh what do you have an 807 maybe in a 957 something like that so in that particular instance I felt like wow this this just is like a spiritual experience watching John John in heavy water. And I know it wasn't huge and maxing, but it was so spiritual to watch him just do what he does. And then when the coin flipped and he got put into that, you know, scenario where he had to fight, there was, there was no mortal cone off going down in that heat. The only way he was going to get over the top of Medina was to match him competitively. And he, he shriveled. Uh, it was a huge melt and a massive surprise. Yeah, you got to wonder, you know, if you're not willing to battle Medina for the inside at the start of a heat of that kind of importance, like, should you even bother being on the world tour? I mean, they were both surfing for their futures uh, for the chance to contest a world title. And he basically just gave Medina the inside and allowed him to race off to this humongous lead. Uh, it's You sometimes get the feeling with John that, you know, if it's not happening on his terms, it's not happening. And that, you know, that can't be the attitude at this stage of his career. I mean, we've seen what happened when, you know, Zeke Lau put the heat on him at Bells, a surfer who is far inferior, but just simply by getting up in his grill and taking his space away and, and making him feel uncomfortable, he can 
uh, he can capitulate like that. It's yeah, it's an interesting one. He, he's he he's not that competitive firebrand. He's not that you know gritty, steely, get the win at all costs kind of competitor. There's a, an air of mm. dignity and grace and and even spirituality to the way he surfs. He, he talks about that. Uh, you know, talk, he talks about just his main goal with competing is to unlock the flow state, the the kind of free surfing yeah. feel in that setting. But, you know, you, you got to wonder, man, when there's that much at stake in that kind of heat where you know what Medina's going to throw at you and to not try and match it with him just for one heat, man. Like, yeah, I, it just really made me question what he's doing there at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a crazy one, man. And I just wonder what a world title even means to John John Florence and Medina at this stage of their careers. When they've won it a few times, they know what they feel like after it. Uh the motivation to lift that trophy is much, like they have it's not just like that thing where you wake up in the morning anymore and you're like, I wanna be the world champ. Like that I don't reckon that factors into their thinking at all. That's something they've got to actually manifest into their lives um at times during that comp i felt like i was watching john john and in j bay too fully tap into that energy again where i was going wow here we go he's on he's looking really sharp and interested and vicious and then you just see those little heats and like they're, they're the ones that really they're the difference between winning world titles and not winning them between making the top five and not making it it's just got to be part of your entire focus. And that's where Jack is. That's where Griffin is. That's where Phil is. Like Phil still wants to win more world titles. So it's so easy for those guys to always be focused and on. And I feel like for John, John and G- Gabby, like, look, Gabby was insane in that comp, but you still get the feeling that underneath it all, there's just that little bit of like, what's this mean? You know, like bigger questions than asked maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. What does it all mean? Well, there's plenty of Aussies in the final five. That's what it means. And I'm confident one of them can bring home the bacon. Although, as far as the men goes, Vaughn, it's very hard to see anyone getting past puckered Phil at Trestles in a best out of three <laughs> duel. Uh, you know, like you might get the better of him once, but beating him twice at what is essentially his home break in the kinds of conditions that he's just so consistent in i.e. head high rights uh, and a couple of skitsy backside rotors on the left for good measure. Man, mm-hmm. it, it really is hard to see anyone getting the better of him in those kinds of conditions. Like I said at the top of the show, if there is someone who can do it, I do feel like that man is Jack Robinson. Uh, I just feel like we haven't seen the best of him still in his career. And uh, I think he would have learned a lot from last year where he looked for all money as a, a world champion, but he, he just made a slight strategic error uh, where, you know, the, the conditions deteriorated uh, and he just got left high and dry without a, a solid backup on, on a quality wave, waited too long. And uh, yeah, just, just, just mm. didn't get the rub in, in what were pretty mediocre conditions. I think you'll learn from that. Uh, and I, I think he's, he's a real dark horse. He, he's probably where I'd be putting my money Ethan, man, that, that, that's a, a nightmare. Uh, suffering a back injury at Chopes is exactly what we were worried might happen to Puckett Phil. But uh, mm. it's happened to Ethan Hewing instead. Um, do we know the circumstances around it? Was it an, was it an impact injury? It sounds like uh, fractured vertebrae is, is the 
<clears throat> I don't know the uh, or, or stressed vertebrae. I I'm not exactly sure, man. Like uh, until we actually know the extent of the damage, we're just all kind of hoping for one of those flexes that you can get through. But even that is not ideal, you know, for your headspace, for everything that that needs to be absolutely perfect and on point is not where it needs to be for ETH. So we're just fingers crossed and hoping, man, because if he is uh, going into that final feeling confident and strong, that just makes that whole top five one of the best ever. Like, it is so exciting. And, you know, last year, this time last year, we thought that a weak performance at Chopes might actually get into Phil's head a little bit. But he just showed that he doesn't give a fuck about that, man. He's not worried about what people think of him in those sorts of surf. He is a champion, uh, we all love his surfing six foot and under, but it's just clear, man. Like in a year with with nothing but Grov, he's the unbackable favourite. And I've only got two words left to say to you, Smivy, and that is that regardless of what happened to Trestles, puckered corn. Yeah, uh, hard to argue with that. I mean, looking at Ethan now in the context of that injury, far out, man. He's going to be hard pressed at trestles because that, that brand of surfing requires you to be physically impervious, physically flawless, yeah. uh, having a, a serious back injury, looking at the, the body torque and the G forces at play when he's ripping turns off the top. Uh, like fuck man. Uh, if he's carrying a serious back injury, I'm almost putting a line through him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, on the women's side, mate, Jesus, exciting. I mean, Tyler and Molly are just absolute animals. They will train the house down. Like, start putting that Rocky theme on right now, man, because that's what their worlds are going to look like until that first hooter goes on finals day. The rippy was finals are going to be bringing it. Katie is just such an explosive wild card. So exciting to think about. Um, Queen Riss is up the top of that tree, man, and... How frothing is she that Steph isn't there? Like, that just takes so much pressure off Queen Riss. I think the big mental hurdle would have been a steamroll and Steph Gilmore again. Like, that would have just been nightmares. Doesn't matter how strong she is. She's number one. It's her year. But how much will last year haunt her dreams in the lead up to that event? Because, uh, you know, she was in a very similar situation. Dominant throughout the year. Would have won the world title in the old format and just gets completely done in the last day of the entire season. Um, you know, is Carolyn Marks going to be the surfer? Is is it, It's just all about that momentum and how it affects risk coming into it. I'm sure her team will be really on top of that this time around. She's probably seen the best sports psychs in the world to get her absolutely rock solid. But still, the energy on the day, you know, you just don't know who's going to be on and who's going to be off when the grand final whistle. Who to blows, my man. Such a good point. Yeah, you'd imagine she's going to have to overcome some case of the yips after coughing up the world title to Steph last year. And uh, just, the, you know, the yips, that, that that kind of niggling sensation when it does come down to crunch time, if you haven't fully accounted for that, and I don't know how you do account for that. I don't know how you block out that, that weird little tendency to kind of choke right at the pointy end when you're back in that same situation. Cause she is going to find herself in that situation again, at some point where she's down a score and uh, needing to, to pull one of those, uh, you know, it's a three heat surf off. So she's going to be in a situation where she's going to need to pull scores uh, out when she's behind. And 
in a difficult situation to, to not go to seed in, in that kind of setting. Fuck mate. There's uh yeah, some serious mental training that's going to have to go into that. I'm really excited just to see four fresh faces in that final five. Uh, Katie Simmons, obviously the prodigy, you know, rookie year. What an amazing run. Unbelievable. She's going to have all mm. the hometown support. She's going to be an absolute, uh, just juggernaut. Molly Picklum, that explosive take, that take no prisoners uh, kind of approach. That you know, she's just been going head to head, toe to toe with the big dogs, and just such shame. a scrapper, isn't she? Oh, she's so good. I Fight love night. that. Just a Shelly Beach classic. Uh, her, her performances <laughs> this year have just screamed tenacity, and she's just got that really futuristic uh, approach as well that I think is going to be so suited to Trestles. Uh, I, I get the feeling like if, it, if it's her versus Caroline uh, in, in that heat, I feel like she's going to get the nod there. Uh, Caroline, you know, mm. sure, she can unlock that incredible tempo, just going upside down over and over again, backside. But I feel like Molly, if, if it moves to the right, you know, just expect some fin ditches and air reverse, you know, something really magic and out of that kind of new school handbook. Uh, and then Tyler Wright, fuck, man. She hasn't surfed in this format yet. We'll see how it suits her. I'm imagining it will. She's just looking fit as all fuck, gouging and hacking that horseshoe right to bits. You can see it already. Mate. And uh, just with a head of steam, just loving the the challenge. And she thrives on on those kind of pressure cooker scenarios these days uh, with where she's at in life. And, you know, you look at who's in her corner, uh, just the family alone. You can imagine the Rockets, Mikey and Owen are going to be putting up a, the pep talks. Mate, she is going to be absolutely ready to go. Yeah, it's uh, so exciting to start thinking about it. I know we're going to be uh, ramping up the content as we we start working our way towards the WSL Ripcoil final, Smithy. Uh, we're going to try and talk to all the athletes. We're going to we're going to go deep. We're going to go hard, brother, because this is what it's all about. You know, uh, it doesn't really matter what the year's been like as long as we end with a bang. And uh, we've got four Aussies there, mate, who could lift that trophy. So let's do it, mate. Let's get the tie pan up. Let's get T-Dub up. Let's get the pickle fired up. And let's get Hewing back to his best, brother. I'm starting to feel it, Smithy.